Increasing our capacity for dealing with the disruptions is a really big tool in resilience. And we know that, that increasing our ability to be resilient decreases the likelihood that we burn out. Hello, everyone. We're so excited that you're here with us today. I'm Dr. Jen Barna, and I'm here today with Master Certified Coach Jill Farmer and co-host of Doc Working, the Whole Physician Podcast, brought to you by Doc Working Thrive. Please check us out at docworking.com and learn how you can join us today in Thrive. And to get started, Jill, welcome. I'm so glad to be here with you. It's always a pleasure. It is. It's always a great pleasure. And I love what we're going to talk about today because one of the reasons we're talking today is because we have a beloved team member who's out ill. And so we have had to pivot around a disruption. So we are talking about disruptions today, people, because it is the lived experience of most of you, if you are a human being on earth, especially in the medical field for um, the last now close to two years, we have all had to get a lot better at disruptions. And Jen, when you think of disruptions and how, and you as a, as a human being, how do you tend to deal with disruptions? What do you notice about your own behavior in those situations? Well, I think disruptions definitely can lead to overwhelm and lead to a sense of overwhelm that can ultimately drive you toward feeling burned out. What I notice is that I tend to be very optimistic, I like to call it, in terms of thinking, in terms of planning my days and what I think I can get done in a day. So ultimately what often happens is I underschedule the time it takes to do things so that I will think I can do a whole lot more things than I can actually do. And I don't, I haven't traditionally, although I've started to try to do it, budgeted in time for the disruptions that always come inevitably. And so if you're not prepared for that in terms of your schedule, you can feel like you didn't get done as much as you wanted to, when in reality, you got done a realistic amount and you dealt with something you weren't expecting. So how do you help people around trying to put that all together in the limited time that we have every day, which is 24 hours, no matter how you slice it? Yeah, great. Um, I love how you described your experience because I think that is so typical for so many of our physician clients and particularly the way a lot of people have been conditioned through medical education, which is always more is better, right? <laughs> Put more into the schedule, achieve more, check more things off your list. And so you've identified one of the best tools for helping to keep yourself as a physician from being disrailed by disruptions, because that's the biggest frustration for us is we're on the path and the disruption, you know, veers us off the, the path and takes us in a direction that we often wouldn't want to go because we want to stay on the path that we already had planned. And so making space and time in your schedule is a little like to mix the metaphor here, instead of having to be on a train that where everything tips over and gets derailed, if it goes Instead, you're driving on a really wide path. So there's room to drive around and move around the obstacles by creating some space in your schedule. And so you, I think, really identified one of the, the, the best tools. Another thing to know about ourselves is kind of what our pattern is when we do get disrupted. And I think long-term, increasing our capacity for dealing with the disruptions is a really big tool in resilience. And we know that 
that increasing our ability to be resilient decreases the likelihood that we burn out. So it isn't just a nice thing to do for productivity. It's a really important, I think, practice to take seriously is how do we all as human beings increase our capacity to deal with disruptions. And so a lot of us have a pattern. Mine is when I've got my plan in place and I get disrupted, I get, I'm an attacker. Like I get mad, I get frustrated at the disruption, whether it's just wailing my and gnashing my teeth, you know, the pandemic or at a specific person who's dared to take longer than I had planned out in my schedule on a phone call. And what happens when you have that pattern like me is you spend a lot of energy and you exhaust yourself with a lot of emotion that is being exercised and expended on stuff that you aren't really controlling. Other people that I work with, and a lot of physicians have this as well, they're not attackers when they bump up against a disruption. They're retreaters <laughs> and they just go, oh, well, my arms go up in the air. What are we supposed to do? Now this thing has disrupted us and they sort of um, retreat or what some psychologists would say, go into an avoidant mode, which isn't necessarily effective either. And so I think identifying whether you tend to be in one of those two patterns is not for you to beat yourself up, my physician friends. Instead, it's just a, oh, interesting. That's my default behavior. I wonder if there's a choice that might be more useful. What do you think about when you hear that? I think that's a really good point. It, it makes me think of something I've heard you say before which is that when you allow yourself to be disrupted, it's like you're flying along and you have to land the plane and then you have to go back to get to where you were before. And so I, that makes me think about a distinction which you have to make every time you're disrupted or potentially going to be disrupted, which is, is this worth landing the plane for? Or should I maybe make a boundary here and say, no, I can't do this right now these are my priorities. I can't allow this disruption to happen. What do you think about judging disruptions? Yeah, I think that goes to a couple of points. One is there's, there's kind of two separate ideas. I think you, you just exposed brilliantly. One is going back to what I was just talking about. If you have your pattern of behavior default, where you tend to react with frustration and anger every single time. So you kind of got to get yourself back down to calm every time there's a disruption, or you just kind of avoid dealing with whatever shift you need to make in order to move through the disruption. When you get better at just paying attention, right? When we're in the present moment and we're noticing, we tend to be more likely to be able to respond instead of react, right? Reaction almost comes from our most primitive amygdala-driven brain. It's often where our emotions are driving the bus instead of that wiser self or the ability to use, you know, that whole prefrontal cortex where the best stuff comes in. So I think you bring up a great point. Anytime we have a disruption, if we notice what our, you know, pattern of behavior is that's reactive, that's not particularly helpful. It really helps to notice. And how do we notice it? We name it out loud. Whew, I'm being disrupted right now. For me, it stops me from going into that automatic reaction action cycle where later on I go, gosh, why did I say that? Or I was spinning out of control and then I forgot the next thing because I was so frustrated. It takes me back to that present moment. The other point that I think you bring up in your reflection that's really brilliant is that we sometimes have more control over our disruptions than we like to say we do, right? We do not have control over, you know, colleagues being sick, 
world pandemics. But a lot of us, if we tend to be in that people pleaser mode that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, and that I have identified myself as a recovering people pleaser, we are afraid to um, create situations for ourselves where we have protected time that can't be disrupted because we want to, we're afraid that means that we're not doing everything for all other people all the time. And in doing that, we are, as you said, kind of landing the plane every time, which uses a lot of energy and time, if you think about it, fuel. Um, every time we're taking our attention and focus off what we need to be focusing on in order to achieve something of meaning. So that's the response I have to the thoughts that you brought up. Do, does any of that feel like it could be helpful for you to apply as you think about how disruptions exhaust <laughs> sometimes and feel like they're taking up more energy of yours than you'd like them to? Definitely. What it makes me think about and what it makes me realize is that to quote uh, one of my favorite podcast hosts, Paula Pant from Afford Anything, she likes to say, you can have anything, but you can't have everything. And so when I think about disruption and accomplishing what you're trying to accomplish for the day, I think that perhaps you can acknowledge where a certain disruption may fall on the spectrum of priorities. And also you can qualify disruptions that might be self-induced, such as jumping on social media, if you have a break or how much time you're going to spend checking emails and responding to emails, um, those types of disruptions in the middle of trying to accomplish something else can really set you back. What do you think about that, Jill? Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, just when we drill it down to the practical tactical, which is you and I both love to do. Yeah, sometimes um, if we really are serious about needing focused time, it means we have to do things like turn off our phone for 15 minutes. Or some of my clients, I advise to take social media off their phone so that it only is in a specific, if they want to check you know, Facebook or Instagram, they do it on a, only on their iPad only during these hours of the day, things like that, that you sort of put some, it's kind of like putting the bumpers up in the bowling alley. It just gives yourself a little bit more likelihood that you'll stay in the lane to give yourself some, some protection. And those can be really helpful ways when the disruptions are technically in our control, <laughs> but you know, our patterns of behavior are to sort of let them just run uh, roughshod in our lives. Putting up some of those bumpers or boundaries can be really helpful. I suppose you could put those bumpers or boundaries up when something is a major disruption, like we were talking about before, like colleagues out sick that, you know, we can't anticipate and we can't control. Maybe that's a day to turn the phone off and not check the social media at all. Right. Do you have any other tips for how to deal with time management when you have a major unexpected disruption yeah. that really shakes your day? The major disruption is that's, we're not going to use those bumper tools as much or the boundary tools for that. That's more other than managing our own thinking, because when the major disruptions comes, the last thing we need to do is waste a lot of time wishing things were different than they are, right? That's where we can get into the arguing with reality mode of things should instead of, okay, when I can, in, you know, in my case, when I get into like attack mode in frustration around a major disruption that I can't control, I know for me, I've got to pause, take some breaths, 
you know, I'd say three breaths, but sometimes it's more like 10 until I've kind of regulated my emotion and I'm not in that activated state because I know I'm going to make a lot better choices. They're going to keep me from being completely derailed. If you're somebody that when you kind of freeze, when there's a major disruption and you throw your hands in your air and you're not what, sure what to do and you default or defer to what everybody else says, for you, it might just be asking yourself the question, what's the one next best step I can take here? Not figure it all out, but just what's in, in this situation where things are not the way that I would have written the script for it, right? It's a plot twist that I wouldn't have given myself in my own narrative, my own life, but how can I take just the next best step so that I move forward and don't end up spinning my wheels and feeling stuck? Does that make sense? Yeah, I really love that because it's so easy to jump right into that high stress, just anxiety mode when something like that happens. And I love the concept of having a plan and just taking the breaths to pause when you start to feel that kind of spinning into that just stressed out mode to pause and then realize that all you can do is take the next best step you can and then do that and repeat <laughs> and just do that until you get through the current crisis that you may be dealing with. Yeah. Lots of good stuff for hopefully you guys to chew on here. And I think I can speak for Jen and say that these are good reminders for us to integrate <laughs> as we get the experience of having disruptions in our lives as well. So Again, from when there are little things and little disruptions that you have a little bit of control over, one tip for yourself is to put some of those bumpers up, put some boundaries up so that you give yourself permission to not have to land the plane with disruptions and allow yourself to be in more focused flow, which we know is where you're just more efficient and productive. Also, when you're making your schedule and you're planning life, make some room for those disruptions to happen so that you're not walking on a tight wire or you know, getting derailed every time life's little disruptions or big disruptions come up. And then finally, when the disruptions are big, right? And they're likely to cause a reaction in you. See if you can't do a better job of paying attention to your thinking and noticing where your reaction to the disruption is actually making it a bigger disruption. And if there's a way that you can Take a deep breath, get a little bit more regulated in your emotions and be willing to take just the next best step to move forward. So with that, thank you, Jen, for joining me in this conversation. As always, I could talk to you all day long, but I think we've got some good ideas and thank all of you for joining us. We love having you here. We love hearing what's is sparked by these conversations. And don't forget to go right now to docworking.com to check out docworking. Thrive, our monthly coaching program just for physicians. It includes physician community. It includes coaching support. It is just what you need if you are feeling overwhelmed, burned out, or like you need a better handle on the disruptions in your life. Until next time, on behalf of Dr. Jen Barna, CEO of Doc Working, I'm Jill Farmer, and this is Doc Working, the whole physician podcast. <laughs>